got anything you wish you knew if you were starting out? Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had learned Linux earlier. When I was yeah. in college, I went to a two-year associates program, um, and it was really lightweight. It was a very accelerated thing. It was done in like 18 months, honestly. It didn't take very long to complete it. But I wish I had learned Linux back then. I left with an MCP, a Microsoft certification, um, and I did use it, but I wish I had learned Linux a lot earlier on. Just understanding how to use it, uh, how to work with the file systems, and how to understand how workloads run on them. Um, all of that would have been a really big help for me uh, in every field that I've been on up to this point. So, and, this, and the course you'd recommend is Linux Plus, yeah? Linux Plus is a great one. Yep, that's a great start from Cloud uh, CompTIA. There are other ones that are more specific to certain distributions, but that's that's a great starting point. If I am starting, and I have no idea what I want to do, did you say um, CompTIA certs? So give us. I, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, but like give us sure. five certs, kind of like just something to aim for. And I know it, this is very generic, but like let's say I'm starting out. I don't know what to do which is going to give me the biggest bang for buck. So like I've said in the past, go do AWS because they're the biggest. Um, what would you recommend? So let's say my background is just basic IT. We'll do, let's do a few like security, networking, different backgrounds, but let's start. I'm just a young person. I'm starting out. I'm not quite sure. I want to learn. I want to get into the cloud because I, I hear it's a big thing. What would you recommend? Okay, so if I were really starting from scratch, um, I would be looking at, Honestly, the CompTIA Linux Plus. I would find out about Linux. I would learn Linux as soon as possible in this, regardless of what vendor you're going to learn. Yep. As little or as much Linux as you can. So that is one of the key camps of general knowledge you should have. So I would put Linux Plus in there from CompTIA. Yep. After that, I would look at something like the Cloud Plus or the Cloud Essentials. Those are two different flavors from CompTIA. Can you explain slightly that? Different, uh, slightly different costs. So... Cloud Essentials is really just pure cloud concepts. Yep. Cloud Plus brings in a bunch of virtualization infrastructure concepts around hypervisors and running virtual machines. Which one would you so, do then? Sorry. I would do the Cloud Essentials to start. Um, if you're just trying to get into cloud, you're going to run into the virtualization stuff eventually. So you're thinking Linux Plus. You're thinking Cloud Plus. These are all from CompTIA, which carry a very widely recognized brand. So that's going to have a lot of impact on your hiring process. The next thing you kind of need to decide then would be either something vendor specific. Yep. So you're going to be moving into Azure or AWS or Google Cloud. If you're not sure, I would probably pick AWS just because I think it has the broadest and the longest running training for cloud. So Azure is good, but they haven't been doing the cloud training path as long as AWS. And uh, I don't want to compare sizes for vendors, but AWS, I think, has the maturity on the training side of it that will help you get the right impact and the right uh, value that you want to get back from it. Yep. So that would be your cloud practitioner essentials if you're in AWS. Okay. So, that, so that's our third one, yeah? That's our third one there. So we went, we added Linux, we did some basic cloud stuff. Okay. Yep. After that, we have to start getting more specific. We have to think about either a job role specific thing or something vendor specific. So let's go AWS. Okay, so we're doing AWS? I, because we, let, let, I mean, let, let's just say for this discussion, based on your experience, AWS training is more mature. It's the biggest in the market. So let's say AWS, uh, what's a cloud protection practitioner? Is that the first uh, AWS search? Yeah. And then yeah, what, what do I do next? Yeah, cloud certified. Yeah. Uh, the certified cloud practitioner is the one yep. that you would start with. Yep. Um, after that, uh, you would move on to something like either Solutions Architect or the SysOps one. Uh, Solutions Architect is going to be the general one that's going to yep. get you the broadest understanding, the most services. Okay, 
The other thing that's cool there is they do some like uh, exam cost incentives so that if you take cloud practitioner, you get a discount on the next test. So that's a nice trade off too if you're paying for these on your own. Um, finally, when you get done with that, that was our fourth cert then. So we're yep. up to the associate. Uh, then I would consider it really needs to be a job role specific decision next. Yeah. So you're going to either pick professional architect because you want to support uh, large enterprise decisions around designing cloud solutions or you don't know what you want to do. So that's the professional one. If you know you have a specialty, then you pick one of the AWS specialties, advanced networking, security, uh, or uh, the data analytics one. If you're not sure where to go, uh, again, you kind of need to get into the industry to start seeing some of these roles in action. But at that point, you're definitely refining. So we went from really basic stuff, Linux Cloud. We talked about AWS Cloud Practitioner Essentials, Solutions Architect, and then moving on into either professional or one of the specialty certifications after that. So, Bart, you've had a lot of experience. Would you recommend based on your experience that we need to learn to code, like programming something. So would you recommend that I need to learn automation, a programming language like Python? Like if you had a, a skill that you felt today would really help my career, what would you say it would be? Yeah, um, I don't tell people to learn to code. I tell them to develop code proficiency. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, hopefully we can say that here. I don't want you yep. to learn to write software. I want you to be able to take things that you're finding from the community, Python scripts, templates, JavaScript templates, JavaScript object notation. I want you to be able to look at it and understand what it is and be able to integrate it and modify it. I don't need you to be able to write it all from scratch, but if you can start with a position where you know how to process and read those types of languages, it will definitely uh, unilaterally help you out in a huge amount of ways across a huge amount of fields. So maybe not learn to code, but develop some code proficiency. And that will help you in the cloud, yeah? If you want to be a Absolutely. cloud engineer or something, yeah? Yeah, um, I mean, so many different examples throughout Google, Azure, and AWS where we're using a standardized uh, notation, like JavaScript object notation, yeah. simply because so many different systems around the world understand how to consume and parse that. And that's a simple pattern. We want you to be in the same position as a person to be able to parse and understand it. Um, and keeping in mind, again, that you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel by being able to write it all from scratch. That is where these low code solutions are coming in, where we want you to be able to understand the effect of what you're configuring and be able to use a language to the point that it helps you uh, achieve that reproducibility. Okay, we're not trying to smother you with settings. Uh, almost everywhere I see in the serverless field right now, it's about reducing the amount of effort to write business logic. <laughs> We don't want you to have to write as much code. You should be writing less and less the longer we do this. And I think that's a pattern that a lot of developers would agree with. But, but I mean, I'm a young person. This is totally overwhelming. I mean, you know, I, I look at you and I'm just starting out and it's like, you know, I just want to give up. I might as well go and get another job. What's your advice for someone starting out who's like despondent perhaps or overwhelmed by all this stuff? Sure. Well, I think probably one of the most important things to do when you are feeling that way or when you find yourself in that space in IT is to recognize that you're not alone. And even yeah. if I tell you that, find a way to be a part of a community. These could yeah. be regional opportunities. They could certainly be internet-based opportunities. Before the pandemic, it was a lot easier to get together as, as actual local groups. I would encourage you to seek that out as much as possible. If you are in an educational environment, you're still at college or something like that, find the user groups of people who are working in a similar field and can corroborate your experience. 
I think that goes a long way to fighting burnout and to making sure that you keep your your perspectives in the right area and move methodically through it. You're going to see other people struggling through it and you'll be able to help each other out. Uh, I'm a really big proponent to that community model behind it. Yeah. Plus, it's fun. You're talking to your peers and you're beginning to network, too. I think those are all infinitely valuable skills to develop um, that'll help you further on throughout your career. I still have people that I talked to that I met working here 20 years ago, and I still keep in touch with them on LinkedIn. And occasionally I get a gig from them. So never discredit the the notion of the network and the community that you're building around it. Um, And if you don't know, Twitter is a great place to start. There are a lot of smaller communities that you can find outside of that. I know Twitter's huge and crazy. Um, so if you start there, though, you can find some of the other smaller groups that you might find uh, will really help you out. There's a lot of new tools coming online. And I think the pandemic helped us with that, honestly, yeah. to make yeah. sure that there was even more remote access um, for those sorts of communities. So do what you can. I even run a little virtual open mic now because I can't go play <laughs> out. So I, I just do it online. But it's still that's my community. And it's a chance to refresh. Uh, and work with your peers. So I'll put a bunch of links below. Is it, are there links that people can follow you? Where, where can they follow you? Where can they connect? Where can they learn from you? Sure. Well, you can find me at AWS. I'm out there training. Uh, so if you take a look on aws.training, you'll find me. Uh, Twitter at CloudBart. You can find me on YouTube slash CloudBart as well. Um, those are the two platforms I'm most active on. You can also find me on LinkedIn if you want to connect out there as well. So just do a little search for Bart Castle, AWS, and I'll be there. So, Bart, tell me, uh, in a lot of conversations I've had with people, um, they talk about networking on LinkedIn and places like that. Is that something that you think is a good thing to do in the cloud space as well? It's like, how do I, I'm starting out, you know, how do I connect? Who do I connect to? Do you have any advice for that? Yeah. um, One of the things that's been particularly uh, impactful that I've seen the last couple of years are these cloud resume challenges. There's one particular from um, Forrest Brazil. uh, Brazil, I hope I said his name right, Forrest. Um, but he basically approached it from the same scenario where he's like, look, I realize that you can go and learn the solutions architect content. But when you go to a job interview and you want to demonstrate those skills, sometimes there's a disconnect between I got the cert and do I have the skills, especially if you're just starting out. So the cloud resume challenge is an interesting opportunity where they're actually having you use uh, a wide array of complex cloud services to basically talk about yourself. You're, you're, it's essentially it's a blog project that you're running. But it gives you a chance to practice actually publishing the resources, getting them online, and then you can talk about how you built that technology on your site and hopefully talk about your other little side projects. I really encourage you to find something that you're passionate about that IT can help you with or cloud or code can help you with and start doing some pet projects and find a way to showcase them. I think that that's a really important pattern. So uh, closing the gap between uh, I just started I know I know a lot, but I don't know how to show it off. Yeah, that's um, a problem, yeah. The, it's a big problem. And those communities are going to be places where you can get ideas of other projects. Uh, you can share ideas with other people. You can collaborate with them. Um, the other part, too, is that resume review is another thing that a lot of communities can help you with, too, as you get your resume together and you're talking about how to find positions or where to work or where not to work, you know. Yep. Uh, those community folks, they can help you out with that quite a bit. And, and again, that's something that I like to offer as much as I can, people send me resumes pretty regularly, and, I, and I'll usually can help them a little bit there. Uh, so I do offer that. Let me know if I can help you with, <laughs> if you have any uh, requests there, send some stuff to me, and I'll, I'm happy to take a look at it and see. Uh, so what how do they do that? Because you might get lots of requests. Is that to your Twitter account, or how do? They, what's the best way to, to, to send you stuff yeah. and interact with you? Sure, yeah. Twitter's probably the best way. Um, 
I try to keep a few light mentorship things going on the side that I help people with. You know, I, I only do what I can, but yeah. <laughs> uh, if you reach out to me on Twitter, uh, usually I can catch stuff on YouTube there as well. Um, if it's a popular topic, I'll, I'll try to record a video. I haven't been doing as much recording lately, but uh, Twitter is my most active platform. So if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I will do my best to field your questions. Um, yeah, I'd love to help out. But you mentioned three things. Uh, can you just remind me what those are? So it was the three main things you said for cloud were virtualization and what, what were they again? Yeah, it was uh, virtualization and automation and networking. Those are the three core technologies that I see. Um, I don't really consider the data part of it a technology. Data is just the fundamental things. It is the people that we move. It is the stuff that we put in the boxes. It is what we're designing the infrastructure to support. So all of it's centered around data. Virtualization is a couple of concepts there. Remember that you're talking about running actual virtual machines. That is one of the primitive parts of it. But then you're also getting up into things like containerization. And so when I'm thinking of what skills I want to have, I want to understand virtualization and how containers differ and how that evolved and where that's leading us. Because all of those are important trends. And of course, the vendors that support those tools like Docker, Kubernetes, VMware, the vendor-specific containerization products like Amazon EC2 or our container service or Elastic Kubernetes. There's a ton of great inroads to get into it. Um, the next layer then is thinking about uh, virtualization from like an abstraction perspective. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like using a menu at a restaurant instead of talking to the chef directly. APIs are a really important part of what we're doing out there. And that's the same for network folks. It's the same for data folks. It's the same for developers. So understanding APIs is one of the skill sets that I kind of include in virtualization. Automation then gets us into the ability to reproduce effects over time or uh, have them performed in an automated fashion. So these are all of your infrastructure as code solutions that allow you to build services like Terraform, uh, Amazon CloudFormation, uh, resource templates from uh, Microsoft. I don't know the Google uh, variation of it, okay? The other automation layers then are how you're looking at event-driven behavior. When an event happens somewhere in your cloud ecosystem, how can you capture it and then respond to it? And remember, events generic. It could be a network event. It could be an application event. It could be a security event, okay? It could be a data delivery event that's occurred. So we're thinking about event-driven behavior and all of the cloud providers are, are pushing us in that same direction. The last part then um, was networking, okay? And really maybe networking should have been the first one on there. But all of this connectivity that we're talking about now uh, is it's, it's even more critical than it ever was before. And we're now entering into an era where edge computing and edge networking is becoming a really important topic. We're deciding it's really a classic battle of where to put the data and where yeah. to put the compute from a user experience perspective. So we're seeing 5G, we're seeing satellite based services, we're seeing questions about how can we use something way up there when the compute's down here and the data's here. Well, let's move it there. And that means that now we're stepping into a whole other dependency on networking and connectivity. So the idea that it's going away, I just don't see it. I see diversification and enrichment happening in the networking field. Um, and it means you really can't know too much about networking. Uh, um, <laughs> and consider these edge, these edge locations are really important. The idea that we can run uh, compute out very close to our cell towers, running them out in IoT devices that are on the backs of trucks or in factories. Those are all different networking realms that we still need professionals to be able to provide the right connectivity for. So let me ask you this question because this is a question that comes <laughs> up a lot. Networking is dead. 
the cloud's going to take over. Oh, well, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't agree with that. I I, I laugh at that one a lot. I do yep. hear people talk about that and having a lot of networking friends. Yep. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're very much not concerned about the cloud killing off network engineering positions. Um, the big thing you got to kind of recognize here too, friends, is that organizations, uh, we still see predictions that a hybrid cloud is going to continue to be the most common model, even on into the next 10 years, even with the improvements of hosted services. And for those who aren't familiar, hybrid means running something in your own data center, plus having elements of hosted services running at other providers. So that means there's always a network still at home that's going to be supported. Do I see it going away? No. Do I see low code networking solutions continue to be developed that allow for, you know, graphical implementation and management of complex networking services? Yes, I do see a lot more of that coming online. Um, but keep in mind, friends, someone still has to design those tools and then support the infrastructure that runs that nice, beautiful dashboard that hides all the complexity. <laughs> so I think in a lot of ways, uh, no, networking is not going away, but it is becoming increasingly automated and more uh, software oriented. So that means that if you're going to stick around the networking career, uh, you really should benefit in some automation training. And I say automation, not coding. Because in my mind, automation is any sort of approach where you're using template-based agents, you're using um, certainly some software and some code that's written there as well to manage and deliver uh, excellent network infrastructures. So I think that's the skill set that really has to be added if you're an existing networking person. That being said, if I were to be in networking, I would be looking at something like DevOps. Honestly, DevOps pulls a lot of those pieces together, even if you don't want to be a DevOps person. It will teach you about source control. It will teach you about versioning. It will teach you about testing. It'll teach you about the automation tricks to move a design through to getting it executed and, and implemented in a real environment. So I think those DevOps principles are coming in a big way to pretty much all the fields of IT. We want everybody to have good power and control over what they're doing because it means improved efficiency and reduced human error. And everything in IT can benefit from that. So that's where that's why I say automation and not just software development. So would you would you recommend, firstly, would you recommend someone who's interested in networking to get a CCNA, or is it just like some of the other paths we've discussed, just go straight into like Linux, go into cloud, and let's say I'm, I've just got my CCNA, you know, is it worth even looking at CCMP? Is it worth looking at CCIE? And this is just your opinion, Bart, you've been in the game a long time. Um, you see, no. you've come from a networking background. so. Like if I'm starting out, I don't want to like go down a path on networking that's perhaps dying. So what what would you say to that? Yeah, you know, I still look at uh, fields like telephony and collaboration. I mean, these are fields that really haven't been changed by cloud yet. Yeah. So I still see companies needing phone systems. I still see them needing connectivity in a variety of different mechanisms with different providers. Uh, and I still see the world's providers needing people in businesses to talk to, to integrate all of these services together. So I think the first thing to kind of recognize is that you didn't get your CCNA just to get into networking. Okay. I think a lot of people got it because they wanted to be a part of the Cisco ecosystem. Yep. And so if you want to get into networking, there's other ways to do it without your CCNA, but yep. you're going to end up in a different ecosystem like Palo Alto or Juniper. Okay. So you're thinking this is back to the roles conversation we said. Yep. Who do you want to work for? What type of positions do you have? If you want to work for organizations that are running large Cisco implementations, you need to continue on to the CCNP. 
If you want to get your CCIE and you want to design large internet backbone routing systems, you're not going to find that path through a cloud services provider's option. You're going to need to work with the right tools that those organizations are running. And Cisco is typically going to be one of the top leaders in that. That's, that is their forte. Yep. So uh, you really are picking a vendor. Like we were saying when you were choosing Azure or AWS, it's the same thing where you're choosing to go deep enough on a vendor to meet the uh, the hiring objectives that you yourself are looking for. So no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say not to do it. Uh, one quick funny story about that is voice yep. over IP and telephony. Uh, I am actively talking to AWS right now, like, hey, you know, this is still a part of our niche where we have services. There's almost no training and there's a very small overlap of people who can do telephony and cloud services. Yep. And the people that I would hire, they would come from Cisco telephony worlds and collaboration worlds. So That's interesting. we are actively hiring at AWS right now. We're hiring CCIEs to help us design a lot of the products and services that we're using uh, to deliver connectivity across all those different spectrums. So you don't think, and I mean, I'm just asking the questions that I hear, because this is the kind of stuff that people debate. You don't oh, think sure. that networking will go away and do you need networking knowledge for the cloud? So I, I don't know. I don't know if I see those two questions as being tied together. I, yeah. I would say networking is not going to go away. It yeah. is one of the core. I say three technologies. There's automation, networking, and then virtualization. Those are the yeah. three core techs uh, of cloud computing. So we're not going to get rid of networking. You're going to continue to see a robustness that grows. Our AWS networking options continue to become more and more aligned with a CCIE skill set every year. I mean, That's the stuff we're asking our cloud architects to know, you need to know more BGP than you ever did before to be an advanced cloud networking specialist. So uh, people who have that skill set and understand that level, and I'm talking CCIE level stuff here, uh, they are able to get jobs with large providers, uh, and that is happening in a big way. The other question is, do I need to know networking to work in cloud computing? I definitely see that question being a no that you don't need to know it and a continual improvement of reasons why we don't have to know it. There are a lot of great managed services where I don't have to ever even look at an IP address or ever think about an interface. And that is, uh, if you hear the term serverless, that's where a lot of this is moving for, uh, but the audience is different. Okay, you're thinking developers then. These are developers who want to execute a solution without having designed networks underneath of it. They're allowing AWS to design those networks for them. And also keep in mind too that Azure, Google Cloud, and AWS all have professional services divisions. So this is another area where you could be taking your Cisco skills and applying them to help these cloud providers connect and integrate their customers' infrastructure, which is a really big problem. I will tell you what, the best job of all time that will never go away is that of an integrator. And yeah. it happens in networking, it happens in security, it happens in analytics, it happens everywhere. So integration is the name of the game and the network people out there are still going to continue providing a crucial part of that integration story for us. So I, I don't see it going away. Um, but also keep in mind, David, when I say that you don't need to know networking, you're thinking about very light level applications. You're not necessarily designing global infrastructure at that point. Yeah. You're 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 thinking about smaller pieces of business logic. <laughs> so it's a very different paradigm that you're living in at that point. Um, and again, keep in mind, if you have a cloud skill set, you are better equipped to move laterally back and forth across these different parts of the industry. So if you get if you feel something's a better fit, having those cloud skills is going to make it easier for you to move to another provider, to another vendor, to another organization or to another role in your organization right now. 
Hey everyone, it's David Bumble. Really excited to have CloudBot uh, with me today. Bart, fantastic to have you here. Hey David. Hello, good to see you. Yeah, so I mean, from a personal point of view, you've let's just introduce you to the audience. You have been doing cloud forever, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been working in the cloud and tech space for almost 20 years now, uh, doing things that I didn't consider cloud computing before it was even called cloud. So yeah, working in virtualization and software development environments, DevOps. Yeah, so a good time. And now I am a, uh, a technical trainer for Amazon Web Services. So I've had a chance to take a lot of cloud experience, practical uh, implementation, and then turn it into a, a, a later era career as a trainer and a consultant. So that's been kind of my overall arc, if I could summarize it quickly. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you, I think that's really important before we get started. You did this stuff in the real world for a long time, and then you started getting into training. And now you're training for, for Amazon themselves, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so I've carried a bunch of different certifications through some of the specialty Cisco certs back in voice over IP days. I used to work on call manager. Uh, I was a, a CCNA before <laughs> that. <laughs> I supported yeah. Windows domains. I've supported software development environments. So really touching a huge array of uh, technologies, which is really kind of the ideal situation to be a cloud architect uh, and a generalist like I consider myself these days. I've touched enough of the different parts of IT to be able to talk to most anybody in any of the fields, including the business side. So Bart, I am new to this field, let's say, and I've heard that cloud is the future, cloud is hot, it's something that I should look at learning. Um, but I'm confused, you know, where do I start? Do you have like any top five certs that I should look at? Or, you know, based on your experience, if you were talking to Bart starting today, like put yourself in like new started today, what would you advise <laughs> yourself to do? Sure. Well, usually the first thing I try to get people thinking about in this conversation is uh, we don't want to eat the elephant here. When we say yep. we want to get into cloud computing, that is kind of like the big giant scope thing that we, we kind of see on the horizon. The problem is that's not really tangible. Like, what does that mean? Uh, and I think that's where a lot of confusion begins for, for certainly uh, new folks and definitely for experienced folks in the industry as well. So typically what I try to get folks thinking is to go back to a little bit more of a general job hunting approach. Uh, and then I'll get into the cert parts of this here. Okay. Um, and I think if anybody who's been in IT for any time or if you're just getting started, you know there's a lot of options out there. There are many certs from many different vendors that might lead you down a variety of paths. So the first thing I kind of imagine is, is you thought of a like a pie, okay? <laughs> and you cut it up into 10 slices. Uh, those 10 slices are all of the jobs in the IT world out there, okay? A lot of the jobs that we're talking about that are in cloud, they're not really pure cloud jobs. It's not like you're gonna go work, unless you wanna work for AWS or Azure directly. Okay, there's going to be a whole gamut of traditional technology jobs that have cloud services that are a part of how they deliver that for the organization. So that's yeah. kind of the first thing to start thinking here is it's it's not really about getting into cloud as much as it is learning cloud skills that can support a business role that you might have somewhere with an organization. So that's usually where I get people thinking first is saying, okay, what kind of work do I want to do? And then how can a cloud computing skill set help me, you know, execute against that or land a position or maybe transition in my own company or, or something to that effect. So. Beyond that, then, you're getting into really traditional technology roles like operations. You're thinking about support. You're thinking about development and engineering, networking, yep. security. And then I definitely want to mention data and machine learning, uh, yep. some of the big analytics fields that are out there now. Those are the real jobs to go and get. 
The cloud skills are the part that help you use AWS or Azure or Google to deliver goods for that particular position. So that's kind of what we want to start thinking first is what sort of work do I want to do? And then what sort of organizations do I maybe want to work for? So all of this is really not cloud specific. And that's really why I take this step back from the cloud conversation for just yep. a sec. Uh, I usually get people thinking, where in the world do they want to work? Can you find jobs locally with employers who have roles related to cloud computing? That usually is a good option. Can you relocate? If you can relocate, then you got a whole bunch of new options that are available to you. So that's usually like, where in the world could I work? Yeah. After that, I'm thinking, what industries do I want to be a part of? Okay, are there any industries I know I don't want to work in? Do I want to work in healthcare, insurance? Do I want to work in manufacturing? Do I already work in one of those industries? Okay. Yep. The third question then is what sort of roles do those employers in that kind of demographic have available related to cloud computing? And hopefully some of you can see where I'm going with this is that we're not just chasing a cert for it. We're going to chase a cert because we know that it will help us get this position or move into this space or move into this particular role. So that's that's where I always start this conversation. This is when you hit the listings. You start looking at an employer and dream big here, friends. Dream big. Think ideal situation. Who would I want to work for? What sort of jobs might I try to acquire? So find those roles and then start looking at the requirements that they have. Not only the certifications, but also the tools that they're mentioning there. Okay, because that's kind of part of this story as well. The last thing then is how can I use the skills that I have already to help me land those jobs as well. So if you're a networking professional or if you have a background in sales or if you have a background in data or if you're a security specialist, it's almost always going to be uh, to your benefit to leverage those skill sets to move further forward. So now that we've thought a little bit about how you might go through this process, David, maybe we can give us an example, David. What's your background? What would you say is your forte uh, coming in here, just for example? Yeah, so I mean, mine is mainly networking. So. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, so like, do I need to do CCNA before I become, uh, do get into cloud? And I mean, I don't want to push certs, but certs seem to be a nice roadmap that people can follow. So yeah, if you want to use me as an example, let's say uh, networking. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I, that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I have a deep yeah. networking background. A lot of my peers are networking folks. So when I'm looking at the networking environment, uh, most organizations are going to need cloud computing services to be connected to their infrastructure in some way. So this means uh, wide area networking, metropolitan area networks that we might be running, private and public interfaces or lines that we might be delivering to get to our other locations and to our cloud providers. So in that specialty, um, a lot of you probably already have a good understanding then around the principles of connectivity. So what you need to focus on would be uh, the specifics of using the cloud providers. So uh, at this point, hopefully we're thinking what cloud vendor might work well. And the answer to that goes back to my first questions. What employers are you looking at? What roles do they have? And what providers are they using? If they're heavily invested in AWS, then it would make sense to start with something like the cloud practitioner. This is going to be a cert that will get you the right language to talk. Yep. and a good understanding of the other uh, opportunities from a certification perspective. So you could move from a uh, cloud practitioner, or if it's a Microsoft or Azure shop, you're thinking something like the Azure Fundamentals. Uh, and maybe later we can come back and throw up some of the, the code names and, and link info on some of these as we go through them. Uh, but those certs are meant to be able to take you with your existing skill set and bring you up to speed on the language so that you can talk to other business partners in the field. Uh, talk to other business members in your teams that are delivering these services, and then begin understanding uh, where you might move next. And that's kind of more of a product uh, and vendor specific path. 
For a lot of people, though, they're still not sure. Maybe they don't know what the, the, the cloud role are that they're looking for. Maybe they haven't done that research yet. If that's the scenario, then you can think of a generalized solutions architect position as a good place to start. Yep. So this is where we see things like the AWS solutions architect, the Azure uh, administrator certifications. These are moving up into a higher level of understanding, but there's also a lot of patterns that they lay out that are going to work across vendors. So I kind of think of them almost like liberal arts degrees where you're really, it's a broad set of technologies. It's a broad set of uh, topics. <laughs> but, well, yes, exactly. And, and so that's why I was originally like, don't just think I want to get into the cloud. Think more like what specific types of roles are interesting to me and what yeah. sort of organizations do I want to work for? That way you can tailor your studies and your certs to whatever role you're trying to uh, obtain. So we're still thinking pretty generic. Practitioner Essentials, Azure Fundamentals, these are going to be fairly entry level certs. You're moving into the associate level certifications after that. These are going to be valuable for helping you understand the architect complexity that I was referring to. Yeah, It's also a specific type of path. Uh, many of us don't know what cloud architecting really is. The truth is it's really kind of a, uh, an upgrade to the classic consultant position. You're going to be talking to team members, finding out problems they have, and then trying to prescribe a cloud-based solution to solve those problems, given all of the myriad requirements that the company might have. Now that may or may not be something that you've done in the past. Architecting is a new part of this that many of us are not familiar with because we weren't consultants. Yeah. Now for me, I get that. I, I've been a consultant, I'm used to doing that. But when I started in the industry, I didn't know anything about consulting. I didn't know anything about project management. So those skill sets are things that really lead you to the pure cloud architect role, which like I said, that's a small slice of all the jobs that are out there. So as much as we like those certs, Keep in mind that you really need to stitch it to that next effort and say, what role specifically do I want and what other tools and technologies can I learn beyond just the general parts? Now, fortunately for us, if you're going to be an architect, there are professional architect certs that go on beyond that for Google, Azure and Microsoft. Those ones are going to possibly be your best bet. Um, the AWS Cloud Professional Solutions Architect is a pro cert. Uh, definitely a more intensive cert. It's going to be one that takes you to that next level of really outside of uh, startup mentality and into enterprise. You're thinking about multi-account. You're thinking about really large deployments and how to support them. And so I also want you to think, okay, well, that changes the types of jobs that you might be acquiring and the types of organizations you might work for. So that's why I started this whole conversation with where do you want to work? What kind of changes can you make? What's realistic for where you are right now? Because that's where you get the leverage. We don't want you to just be studying for the sake of studying. So at this point, we're still being pretty general. Architecting is a very general practice. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have a wide array of people that you'll talk to. Okay, uh, David, are you familiar with Accenture or Deloitte yep. or Raytheon, yep. some of these yep. big consulting firms? Now, those organizations are interesting. If you want to work for them, they have a global footprint. Okay, They need architects, specifically by job title, who can work across a lot of different technologies for their customers. So that's a role that you might not be thinking about yet, but that's really what I think of as pure cloud architecting. If I want to get into cloud and work in cloud, those are really cloud pure roles. There's still all the other stuff that we have to do for the business, all the operations and networking and development and data analytics parts. So this is where you start thinking about a specialty certification. And again, uh, buyer beware here. You don't want to go after a specialty unless you're sure that's something you're heavily interested in or you already have a role in mind that you would be looking for. 
Now, things are really hot right now in the security space. So yep. we would definitely recommend looking at things like AWS security specialty, the Azure security specialties as well. Um, and keep in mind, all of these certs have security in them, but that one's gonna give you a lot of paper impact. Uh, having the security certification uh, shows that you've spent the focus on it. And there's gonna be specific services that you've learned then uh, that again, should help you directly uh, provide a value add for your organization now or in the future. The other ones I really want you to think about too are things along data analytics and machine learning. These are yeah. ones that I think a lot of people don't know about unless you came right out of college with a mathematics degree and started doing analytic work. But there's a lot of inroads to data analytics and machine learning now from Azure, Google, and uh, uh, AWS. They're thinking what they call low code or no code machine learning. And so really you're thinking like, how can I make this data do something useful for the organization? And it can be pretty exciting and very dynamic. So this is another very lucrative part of the field. It's also an area that we don't have as many specialists in yet. So whenever I think about what certs to obtain, it's either because I know it's gonna help me do something directly or it's gonna be impactful in the broad appeal across the marketplace. So that's why things like data analytics, and security and machine learning have a broad appeal. You're gonna learn some very important principles and patterns that will make you uh, stand out when it comes time to do these hiring or these transition opportunities and conversations. So uh, beyond that as well, there is also an advanced networking one. Since we were talking about networking, uh, AWS has a networking specialty as does, uh, I believe Azure has one on here as well. Um, there are some other ones like SAP has been added recently. I know AWS is ramping up a new cert as well. So these specialty ones would be your next steps to go once you're sure about the role or the interest level on it. Uh, I think I recall seeing a few people talk about who's paying for certs as well. Yeah. This is usually a good time to bring that conversation up additionally. There are many certs you could obtain, but when you're thinking about personal investment versus having maybe your organization pay for these certifications, um, I'm sure we can see that there's a different impact that we have on it. If I were really starting from scratch, and I didn't know which of the vendors to pick. Um, AWS and Azure are usually gonna be your safest ones to start with simply by market footprint. They just yep. have that much uh, footprint on it. Uh, but I'm also a real big CompTIA fan. So depending on where you are with your uh, training or learning path, um, the cloud essentials or the cloud plus are very non-vendor specific. So they're a pretty nice way to get started. If you're paying by yourself and you don't know where else to start, those might be a good option for you as well. Uh, they are going to have concepts across all the cloud vendors, and they also get a lot into virtualization. So I think that's another really important technology to kind of understand here as well. So just to kind of recap everything we were saying here, go back to the job hunt first and try to identify some really big goals that you would like to find and identify which certs might be most helpful for you. The ones that we mentioned here as our top fives are going to be your essentials like cloud, cloud plus from CompTIA the Cloud Practitioner Essentials from AWS, the Azure Fundamentals, okay? And remember, it, it, the more that you can help build confidence in using one of these vendors, the easier this selection process becomes. If your organization is using Microsoft heavily, they use .NET development and that's what they do, you can comfortably use Azure then as your model. Move that direction, you'll probably be able to get some good insights into where you could move in your organization right now. That's usually a good fit. Again, if it's, a, if it's AWS, then that would be the track to choose. If they're using Oracle Cloud or OpenStack or one of these other vendors, there are certifications that uh, are available out there, but it's a smaller appeal. 
Okay, so again, if you if you attach the certification to the role that you're trying to acquire, that's usually a better relationship, and it's more directly uh, impactful for you yourself as an employee. What I'm going to David. I'm going to push you now because that's what I do in these videos. Um, yep. So I know we're going to repeat a little bit, but it's um, just for me to try and get it clear in my head. If I am starting and I have no idea what I want to do, did you say um, CompTIA certs? So give us, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, but like give us five certs, kind of like just something to aim for. And I know this is very generic, but like, let's say I'm starting out, I don't know what to do, which is going to give me the biggest bang for buck. So like I've said in the past, go do AWS because they're the biggest. Um, What would you recommend? So let's say my background is just basic IT. We'll do, let's do a few like security, networking, different backgrounds, but let's start. I'm just a young person. I'm starting out. I'm not quite sure. I want to learn, I want to get into the cloud because I, I hear it's a big thing. What would you recommend? Okay, so if I were really starting from scratch, yeah. um, I would be looking at, honestly, the CompTIA Linux Plus. Yeah. I would find out about Linux. I would learn Linux as soon as possible in this, regardless of what vendor you're going to learn. Yep. As little or as much Linux as you can. So that is one of the key camps of general knowledge you should have. So I would put Linux Plus in there from CompTIA. After that, I would look at something like the Cloud Plus or the Cloud Essentials. Those are two different flavors from CompTIA. Can you explain slightly that? Different, uh, slightly different costs. So Cloud Essentials is really just pure cloud concepts. Yep. Cloud Plus brings in a bunch of virtualization infrastructure concepts around hypervisors and running virtual machines. Which one would you so, do then? Sorry. I would do the Cloud Essentials to start. Okay. Um, if you're just trying to get into cloud, you're going to run into the virtualization stuff eventually. So you're thinking Linux Plus. You're thinking Cloud Plus. These are all from CompTIA, which carry a very widely recognized brand. So that's going to have a lot of impact on your hiring process. The next thing you kind of need to decide then would be either something vendor specific. So you're going to be moving into Azure or AWS or Google Cloud. If you're not sure, I would probably pick AWS just because I think it has the broadest and the longest running training for cloud. So Azure is good, but they haven't been doing the cloud training path as long as AWS. And uh, I don't want to compare sizes for vendors, but AWS, I think, has the maturity on the training side of it that will help you get the right impact and the right uh, value that you want to get back from it. Yeah. So that would be your cloud practitioner essentials if you're in AWS. Okay. So, that, so that's our third one, yeah? That's our third one there. So we went, we added Linux, we did some basic cloud stuff. Okay. Yeah. After that, we have to start getting more specific. We have to think about either a job role specific thing or something vendor specific. So let's go AWS. Okay, so we're doing AWS? I, because we, let, let, I mean, let, let's just say for this discussion, based on your experience, AWS training is more mature. It's the biggest in the market. So let's say AWS, uh, what's a cloud protection, practitioner? Is that the first uh, AWS search? Yeah. And then yeah, what, what do you certified. next? Yeah, cloud certified. Yeah. The certified cloud practitioner is the one yeah. that you would start with. Yep. Um, after that, uh, you would move on to something like either Solutions Architect or the SysOps one. Uh, Solutions Architect is going to be the general one that's going to yep. get you the broadest understanding, the most services. Okay. The other thing that's cool there is they do some like uh, exam cost incentives so that if you take Cloud Practitioner, you get a discount on the next test. So that's a nice trade off too if you're paying for these on your own. Um, finally, when you get done with that, that was our fourth cert then. So we're yep. up to the associate. Uh, then I would consider it really needs to be a job role specific decision next. Yeah. So you're going to either pick professional architect because you want to support 
uh, large enterprise decisions around designing cloud solutions or you don't know what you want to do. So that's the professional one. If you know you have a specialty, then you pick one of the AWS specialties, advanced networking, security, uh, or uh, the data analytics one. If you're not sure where to go, uh, again, you kind of need to get into the industry to start seeing some of these roles in action. Yeah. But at that point, you're definitely refining. So yeah. we went from really basic stuff, Linux Cloud. We talked about AWS Cloud Practitioner Essentials, Solutions Architect, and then moving on into either professional or one of the specialty certifications after that. That's brilliant. So let's say I want to be in security. I, I love hacking. I love, you know, Security is hot at the moment. Cybersecurity is hot. Do you have sort of a path for me? Yeah, and you know, security isn't my arena as as much. So I don't know. I know the CISSP is an incredibly valuable one that a lot of organizations are seeking. It is not cloud specific. It will uh, have any, concepts I mean, there, in there's it. A, there's a professional. Sorry, it's a specialty security cert from AWS. Can I go straight to that, or would you recommend doing some other stuff first? I'm just trying to like. Let's say that's my goal. I want to do cloud security stuff. Um, is that a good cert? Are there any others that you'd recommend? Or And how do I get there? I'm, I'm assuming I can't jump from like no knowledge to that. So I'm assuming you're gonna tell me to use Linux again, is that right? Learn some Linux and then? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I pretty much, I would tell everybody to learn Start Linux. With Linux. And I don't, you don't yeah. need to master it, but you do need to be familiar with the distributions and how to use it. Uh, so yeah, I would look at Linux. I would look at the CompTIA Security Plus. Honestly, it's a yeah. very popular one. Again, CompTIA's got a really big impact, non-vendor specific. So uh, it's the one that I've used so many times over the years to get started. So I always encourage people to go with CompTIA at the beginning. Yep. Um, and then you're back in the same scenario where you're looking at something that's vendor specific, um, Azure, Google, or AWS. Uh, if you're looking at Azure, then you're going to go into um, their Azure Fundamentals. And then after that, you would look at the Azure Administrator. Yeah, and I'm trying to look at all these. And then finally, they have the uh, Security Administrator uh, specialties that you start on as well. Those are going to be more about securing enterprise infrastructure. I don't have a lot of good feedback on like a hacking, ethical yeah. hacking sort of background. I'd have to lean on some of the other security pros in the field to, to kind of ramp on that. Yep. But at that point, a lot of those certs are not vendor specific at that point. You're thinking more about the actual tools that you're using to do those jobs. No, I, I think it's, it's, it's just, to, it's good to know that like um, there are specific cloud certs from the big cloud providers. So there's one from AWS, there's one from um, Microsoft. Um, so it's good to, it's kind of like, let's say I want to get there. Um, so you've given us another nice roadmap. And what about networking? I mean, I think that's kind of like repeating it again, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like do Linux. So let me ask you this question because this is a question that comes <laughs> up a lot. Networking is dead. The cloud's going to take over. Oh, well, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I definitely don't agree with that. I, I, I laugh at that one a lot. I do yep. hear people talk about that and having a lot of networking friends. Yep. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're very much not concerned about the cloud killing off network engineering positions. Um, the big thing you got to kind of recognize here too, friends, is that organizations, uh, we still see predictions that a hybrid cloud is going to continue to be the most common model, even on into the next 10 years, even with the improvements of hosted services. And for those who aren't familiar, hybrid means running something in your own data center, plus having elements of hosted services running at other providers. So that means there's always a network still at home that's going to be supported. Do I see it going away? No. Do I see low code networking solutions continue to be developed that allow for 
you know, graphical implementation and management of complex networking services. Yes, I do see a lot more of that coming online. Um, but keep in mind, friends, someone still has to design those tools and then support the infrastructure that runs that nice, beautiful dashboard that hides all the complexity. <laughs> so I think in a lot of ways, uh, no, networking is not going away, but it is becoming increasingly automated and more uh, software oriented. So that means that if you're going to stick around the networking career, uh, you really should benefit in some automation training. And I say automation, not coding. Yep. Because in my mind, automation is any sort of approach where you're using template-based agents, you're using um, certainly some software and some code that's written there as well to manage and deliver uh, excellent network infrastructures. So I think that's the skill set that really has to be added if you're an existing networking person. That being said, if I were to be in networking, I would be looking at something like DevOps. Honestly, DevOps pulls a lot of those pieces together, even if you don't want to be a DevOps person. It will teach you about source control. It will teach you about versioning. It will teach you about testing. It'll teach you about the automation tricks to move a design through to getting it executed and, and implemented in a real environment. So I think those DevOps principles are coming in a big way to pretty much all the fields of IT. We want everybody to have good power and control over what they're doing because it means improved efficiency and reduced human error. And everything in IT can benefit from that. So that's where that's why I say automation and not just software development. So would you would you recommend, firstly, would you recommend someone who's interested in networking to get a CCNA? Or is it just like some of the other paths we've discussed, just go straight into like Linux, go into cloud. And let's say I'm, I've just got my CCNA. You know, is it worth even looking at CCMP? Is it worth looking at CCIE? And this is just your opinion, Bart. You've been in the game a long time. Um, you've seen, no. you've come from a networking background. so. Like if I'm starting out, I don't want to like go down a path on networking that's perhaps dying. So what what would you say to that? Yeah, you know, I still look at uh, fields like telephony and collaboration. I mean, these are fields that really haven't been changed by cloud yet. Yeah. So I still see companies needing phone systems. I still see them needing connectivity in a variety of different mechanisms with different providers. Uh, and I still see the world's providers needing people in businesses to talk to, to integrate all of these services together. So I think the first thing to kind of recognize is that you didn't get your CCNA just to get into networking. Okay. I think a lot of people got it because they wanted to be a part of the Cisco ecosystem. Yep. And so if you want to get into networking, there's other ways to do it without your CCNA, but yep. you're going to end up in a different ecosystem like Palo Alto or Juniper. Okay. So you're thinking this is back to the roles conversation we said. Yep. Who do you want to work for? What type of positions do you have? If you want to work for organizations that are running large Cisco implementations, you need to continue on to the CCNP. If you want to get your CCIE and you want to design large internet backbone routing systems, you're not going to find that path through a cloud services provider's option. You're going to need to work with the right tools that those organizations are running. And Cisco is typically going to be one of the top leaders in that. That's, that is their forte. Yep. So... Uh, you really are picking a vendor. Like we were saying when you were choosing Azure or AWS, it's the same thing where you're choosing to go deep enough on a vendor to meet the uh, the hiring objectives that you yourself are looking for. So no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say not to do it. Uh, one quick funny story about that is voice yep. over IP and telephony. Uh, I am actively talking to AWS right now, like, hey, you know, this is still a part of our niche where we have services. There's almost no training and there's a very small overlap of people who can do telephony 
and cloud services. Yep. And the people that I would hire, they would come from Cisco telephony worlds and collaboration worlds. So That's interesting. we are actively hiring at AWS right now. We're hiring CCIEs to help us design a lot of the products and services that we're using uh, to deliver connectivity across all those different spectrums. So you don't think, and I mean, I'm just asking the questions that I hear, because this is the kind of stuff that people debate. You don't oh, think sure. that networking will go away. And do you need networking knowledge for the cloud? So I, I don't know. I don't know if I see those two questions as being tied together. I, yeah. I would say networking is not going to go away. It yeah. is one of the core. I say three technologies. There's automation, networking, and then virtualization. Those are the yeah. three core techs uh, of cloud computing. So we're not going to get rid of networking. You're going to continue to see a robustness that grows. Our AWS networking options continue to become more and more aligned with a CCIE skill set every year. I mean, That's the stuff we're asking our cloud architects to know, you need to know more BGP than you ever did before to be an advanced cloud networking specialist. So uh, people who have that skill set and understand that level, and I'm talking CCIE level stuff here, uh, they are able to get jobs with large providers, uh, and that is happening in a big way. The other question is, do I need to know networking to work in cloud computing? I definitely see that question being a no that you don't need to know it and a continual improvement of reasons why we don't have to know it. There are a lot of great managed services where I don't have to ever even look at an IP address or ever think about an interface. And that is, uh, if you hear the term serverless, that's where a lot of this is moving for, uh, but the audience is different. Okay, you're thinking developers then. These are developers who want to execute a solution without having designed networks underneath of it. They're allowing AWS to design those networks for them. And also keep in mind too that Azure, Google Cloud, and AWS all have professional services divisions. So this is another area where you could be taking your Cisco skills and applying them to help these cloud providers connect and integrate their customers' infrastructure, which is a really big problem. I will tell you what, the best job of all time that will never go away is that of an integrator. And yeah. it happens in networking, it happens in security, it happens in analytics, it happens everywhere. So integration is the name of the game and the network people out there are still going to continue providing a crucial part of that integration story for us. So I, I don't see it going away. Um, but also keep in mind, David, when I say that you don't need to know networking, you're thinking about very light level applications. You're not necessarily designing global infrastructure at that point. Yeah. You're 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 thinking about smaller pieces of business logic. <laughs> so it's a very different paradigm that you're living in at that point. Um, and again, keep in mind, if you have a cloud skill set, you are better equipped to move laterally back and forth across these different parts of the industry. So if you get if you feel something's a better fit, having those cloud skills is going to make it easier for you to move to another provider, to another vendor, to another organization or to another role in your organization right now. So let's say I come from a like a developer background, or I'm interested in dev. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in networking, security. I don't, don't, not too concerned about. It. I want to program, or I want to do dev. Do you have a sort of a path as well for me? Um, I mean, you mentioned previously machine learning, AI is really hot. So let's say I want to get into that. What would you recommend? Sure. Uh, well, I would start with some of the basic tech background stuff, like yep. we've talked about, like the Cloud Plus. Um, or the Network Plus, just some basic uh, tech experience. Um, moving on in though, you need to get close to the data sets as quickly as possible. So wherever there is an interesting data location, and unfortunately I don't have a good cert path to just chase through this. There yeah. aren't that many that are developed in this way. They yeah. see it as a niche. 
Um, but the big thing to understand is that you're talking about database problems. So you need to understand the formats in which data are stored in. So this means understanding NoSQL databases, relational databases, the differences between them, and the wide array of next generation, what they call task-built databases, um, and how those work. We have some great database certs here at AWS. Azure has some as well. Okay, Those will get you into thinking about where the data lives, what it looks like, and the problems with moving it back and forth between different parts of the organization. Those are the big patterns you need to know to be into data analytics and data engineering. When you get to, uh, to that point, then you can start looking at the specific machine learning tools, like AWS has SageMaker. And, and again, I don't mean to be so AWS centric, it's just my, my expertise no, on it's, it. I, that's fine. It's just, this is your opinion, Bart, so use your examples, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and so one big thing that AWS has done lately is our SageMaker products are all about improving, uh, it's reducing friction. We wanna make it easier for you to take whatever data set you have, run the types of experiments you need on it at the speed that you need them to run on and get the results back. So you're then looking at an integration position again. You're taking services A, B, C, and F over here and you're taking this data set and you're stitching them together so that you can produce some sort of a business driving output, whether that be a report, a dashboard, uh, some decision-making factor that they're using, or maybe even something that's part of an application's actual lifecycle that it does. So I would consider looking then at data engineering. Uh, the Google data engineering position is one that I always hear people talk about as being one of the top positions. Uh, and a lot of that really comes from the fact that I think Google has a, has a big reputation as a very data-oriented organization. So. Yeah. Uh, the data engineer position would probably even outrank some of the AWS data specialties that I've been talking about here. Um, you start looking at things like Google Big Table. These are other interesting products in the industry that are driving and pushing the boundaries of where machine learning is. At the same time, AWS is creating tools like SageMaker to make it easier for us to work with those tools. So um, just a background on the data parts there. I would encourage you to get as close to databases as much as possible and begin yep. understanding the problems that they have. So those are that's kind of where I would start with that. But you mentioned three things. Uh, can you just remind me what those are? So it was the three main things you said for cloud were virtualization and what, what were they again? Yeah, it was uh, virtualization and automation and networking. Those are the three core technologies that I see. Um, I don't really consider the data part of it a technology. Data is just the fundamental things. It is the people that we move. It is the stuff that we put in the boxes. It is what we're designing the infrastructure to support. So all of it's centered around data. Virtualization is a couple of concepts there. Remember that you're talking about running actual virtual machines. That is one of the primitive parts of it. But then you're also getting up into things like containerization. And so when I'm thinking of what skills I wanna have, I want to understand virtualization and how containers differ and how that evolved and where that's leading us because all of those are important trends. And of course, the vendors that support those tools like Docker, Kubernetes, VMware, the vendor-specific containerization products like Amazon EC2 or our container service or Elastic Kubernetes, there's a ton of great inroads to get into it. Um, the next layer then is thinking about uh, virtualization from like an abstraction perspective. Yep. Uh, it's kind of like using a menu at a restaurant instead of talking to the chef directly. APIs are a really important part of what we're doing out there. And that's the same for network folks. It's the same for data folks. It's the same for developers. So understanding APIs is one of the skill sets that I kind of include in virtualization. 
Automation then gets us into the ability to reproduce effects over time or uh, have them performed in an automated fashion. So these are all of your infrastructure as code solutions that allow you to build services like Terraform, uh, Amazon CloudFormation, uh, resource templates from uh, Microsoft. I don't know the Google uh, variation of it, okay? The other automation layers then are how you're looking at event-driven behavior. When an event happens somewhere in your cloud ecosystem, how can you capture it and then respond to it? And remember, events generic. It could be a network event. It could be an application event. It could be a security event, okay? It could be a data delivery event that's occurred. So we're thinking about event-driven behavior and all of the cloud providers are, are pushing us in that same direction. The last part then um, was networking, okay? And really maybe networking should have been the first one on there. But all of this connectivity that we're talking about now uh, is it's, it's even more critical than it ever was before. And we're now entering into an era where edge computing and edge networking is becoming a really important topic. We're deciding it's really a classic battle of where to put the data and where yeah. to put the compute from a user experience perspective. So we're seeing 5G, we're seeing satellite-based services, we're seeing questions about how can we use something way up there when the compute's down here and the data's here, well, let's move it there. And that means that now we're stepping into a whole other dependency on networking and connectivity. So the idea that it's going away, I just don't see it. I see diversification and enrichment happening in the networking field. Um, and it means you really can't know too much about networking. Uh, um, and consider these edge these edge locations are really important. The idea that we can run uh, compute out very close to our cell towers, running them out in IoT devices that are on the backs of trucks or in factories. Those are all different networking realms that we still need professionals to be able to provide the right connectivity for. Bart, it's 2022. What are the big trends that you see? We want to talk about cloud and cloud certs, but what are the big trends that you see driving the industry in 2022? Wow. Okay. So 2022, well, I probably one of the funnest things I see happening right now is that hardware is king all over again. We're seeing a lot of really interesting new hardware come on the market for our large providers to use, like smart network cards. Yep. The idea that you can offload computing from your virtualization infrastructure down onto the network cards is going to change a whole bunch of the ways that cloud providers provide their services and the way that we deliver virtual services in our data centers right now. So watching where the hardware is going is really interesting. Um, AWS and Azure are all designing a variety of circuits and chips that help drive costs down and improve performance, especially since we just got done going through this crazy chip shortage. So yeah. what we can do with what we have is going to continue to be an interesting part of it. The only problem is a lot of that's like electrical engineering, compute engineering, that's maybe outside the scope of what a lot of uh, regular folks might be working on. So other hot topics, I definitely see software developed, uh, software-based networking, SD-WAN style architectures continuing to be incredibly important. The quality of service and the control that they afford organizations are critical as we move into this re-diversified cloud era. So the more that you can understand about those complex wide area networking technologies, the better. And I know for some of us just starting out, that might seem like a really big goal, uh, but it's closer than you might think. And you're going to be finding that a lot of what's networking uh, is reducing the gap between where you start and where you get to on that software defined world. Um, I think a lot of it has to be to do with the tooling that's going to come along. So really curious to see what Cisco was releasing this year. Uh, further cloud integrations have been really impressive to me as well. Cloud computing continues to be 
uh, something that organizations are afraid of because of the loss of control that they perceive. Yeah. So the more we see services that can live around providing quality, compliance, and governance management for your in-house resources and your cloud resources, we're going to see a continual growth in that area as well. And uh, machine learning, again, like it's crazy hot right now. There is so much data and there is very, very little value coming out of it. And that is a huge, huge vacuum that's just sucking a lot of focus in on the space. So that means uh, we're going to continue to see a better growth around data management tools uh, and ease of access to data management tools. Uh, I'm thinking about things like data lakes and data warehouses and then feeding them into the machine learning and artificial intelligence systems which actually allow us to discover information. So again, I really see those as crucial. And of course, security. I mean, even though we keep coming back to this, it is it is even more important than ever before to have a very robust and dynamic security approach. Uh, and frankly, a lot of organizations are behind, they're struggling. Uh, it's one of the big stories we see with customers coming to AWS is that they want to be able to use our big shield yep. so that they can operate safely behind and learn. I mean, right now people are trying to learn what to do to protect themselves while being attacked. And that is a brutal situation to find themselves in. So if you can move parts of it into a provider realm where they're able to shield you from that and allow you to grow and develop, it's almost gonna become a necessity. One of the big stories that we say in class is, well, you tell me, imagine your company's budget, okay? How much do you spend on security every year? Now, ask yourself how much does Google, Azure, and AWS spend on security every year? Exactly. If your budget exceeds theirs, (laughs) you're probably doing a good job. (laughs) <laughs> but I chance to say it probably doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's brilliant. Any, any other things that you're seeing, like edge computing, stuff like that? Yeah, and of course, um, the 5G transition in edge is going to be really big. Um, I think one of the biggest problems with this, though, is that it's really going to depend on software engineers to start writing tools that can take advantage of this. Now, we can yeah. build the infrastructure out, but until you get those uh, feature-rich apps, so there is still a wild amount of software that's going to be written in the years ahead. Um, to take advantage of our satellite infrastructures, our edge infrastructures, and those low to the ground technologies like IoT. Uh, You're seeing a lot of, you're still seeing a lot of industrial modernization modernization that's happening as well. Uh, I believe I saw a statistic the other day that said the average piece of factory machinery in the United States is at least 20 years old, which is pretty crazy. It was, it's imagining that. That's what they're trying to build things on. And then the IT teams are trying to figure out how to monitor and interface with that. So again, that's a lot of really interesting hardware and software problems. And again, they create network connectivity issues as well for us. So we're thinking, we're still thinking, where does the network need to be? Where does the compute need and where does the data need to be? So the more of that diversification, uh, again, continuing on into the future. So Bart, you've had a lot of experience. Would you recommend based on your experience that we need to learn to code, like programming something. So would you recommend that I need to learn automation, a programming language like Python? Like if you had a, a skill that you felt today would really help my career, what would you say it would be? Yeah, um, I don't tell people to learn to code. I tell them to develop code proficiency. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, hopefully we can say that here. I don't want you yep. to learn to write software. I want you to be able to take things that you're finding from the community, Python scripts, templates, JavaScript templates, JavaScript object notation. I want you to be able to look at it and understand what it is and be able to integrate it and modify it. I don't need you to be able to write it all from scratch, but if you can start with a position where you know how to process and read those types of languages, 
it will definitely uh, unilaterally help you out in a huge amount of ways across a huge amount of fields. So maybe not learn to code, but develop some code proficiency. And that will help you in the cloud, yeah? If you want to be a Absolutely. cloud engineer or something, yeah? Yeah, um, I mean, so many different examples throughout Google, Azure, and AWS where we're using a standardized uh, notation like JavaScript object notation yeah. simply because so many different systems around the world understand how to consume and parse that. And that's a simple pattern. We want you to be in the same position as a person to be able to parse and understand it. Um, and keeping in mind, again, that you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel by being able to write it all from scratch. That is where these low code solutions are coming in, where we want you to be able to understand the effect of what you're configuring and be able to use a language to the point that it helps you uh, achieve that reproducibility. Okay, we're not trying to smother you with settings. Uh, almost everywhere I see in the serverless field right now, it's about reducing the amount of effort to write business logic. <laughs> we don't want you to have to write as much code. You should be writing less and less the longer we do this. And I think that's a pattern that a lot of developers would agree with. But, but I mean, I'm a young person. This is totally overwhelming. I mean, you know, I, I look at you and I'm just starting out and it's like, you know, I just want to give up. I might as well go and get another job. What's your advice for someone starting out who's like despondent perhaps or overwhelmed by all this stuff? Sure. Well, I think probably one of the most important things to do when you are feeling that way or when you find yourself in that space in IT is to recognize that you're not alone. And even yeah. if I tell you that, find a way to be a part of a community. These could yeah. be regional opportunities. They could certainly be internet based opportunities. Before the pandemic, it was a lot easier to get together as, as actual local groups. I would encourage you to seek that out as much as possible. If you are in an educational environment, you're still at college or something like that, find the user groups of people who are working in a similar field and can corroborate your experience. I think that goes a long way to fighting burnout and to making sure that you keep your, your perspectives in the right area and move methodically through it. You're gonna see other people struggling through it and you'll be able to help each other out. Uh, I'm a really big proponent to that community model behind it. Yeah. Plus, it's fun. You're talking to your peers and you're beginning to network, too. I think those are all infinitely valuable skills to develop um, that'll help you further on throughout your career. I still have people that I talk to that I met working here 20 years ago, and I still keep in touch with them on LinkedIn. And occasionally I get a gig from them. So never discredit the, the notion of the network and the community that you're building around it. Um, and if you don't know, Twitter is a great place to start. There are a lot of smaller communities that you can find outside of that. I know Twitter's huge and crazy. Um, so if you start there, though, you can find some of the other smaller groups that you might find uh, will really help you out. There's a lot of new tools coming online. And I think the pandemic helped us with that, honestly, yeah. to make yeah. sure that there was even more remote access um, for those sorts of communities. So do what you can. I even run a little virtual open mic now because I can't go play <laughs> out. So I, I just do it online. But it's still that's my community and it's a chance to refresh. Uh, and work with your peers. So I'll put a bunch of links below. Is it, are there links that people can follow you? Where, where can they follow you? Where can they connect? Where can they learn from you? Sure. Well, you can find me at AWS. I'm out there training. Uh, so if you take a look on aws.training, you'll find me. Uh, Twitter at CloudBart. You can find me on YouTube slash CloudBart as well. Um, those are the two platforms I'm most active on. You can also find me on LinkedIn if you want to connect out there as well. So just do a little search for Bart Castle, AWS, and I'll be there. So Bart, tell me, uh, in a lot of conversations I've had with people, um, they talk about networking on LinkedIn and places like that. Is that something that you think is a good thing to do in the cloud space as well? It's like, how do I, I'm starting out, you know, how do I connect? Who do I connect to? Do you have any advice for that? 
Yeah, um, one of the things that's been particularly uh, impactful that I've seen the last couple of years are these cloud resume challenges. There's one particular yeah. from um, Forrest Brazil. Uh, Brazil. I hope I said his name right, Forrest. Um, but he basically approached it from the same scenario where he's like, look, I realize that you can go and learn the solutions architect content. But when you go to a job interview and you want to demonstrate those skills, sometimes there's a disconnect between I got the cert and do I have the skills, especially if you're just starting out. So the cloud resume challenge is an interesting opportunity where they're actually having you use uh, a wide array of complex cloud services to basically talk about yourself. You're, you're, it's essentially it's a blog project that you're running, but it gives you a chance to practice actually publishing the resources, getting them online. And then you can talk about how you built that technology on your site and hopefully talk about your other little side projects. I really encourage you to find something that you're passionate about that IT can help you with or cloud or code can help you with and start doing some pet projects and find a way to showcase them. I think that that's a really important pattern. So uh, closing the gap between uh, I just started, I know I know a lot, but I don't know how to show it off. Yeah, that's um, a problem, yeah. The, it's a big problem. And those communities are gonna be places where you can get ideas of other projects. Uh, you can share ideas with other people. You can collaborate with them. Um, the other part too is that resume review is another thing that a lot of communities can help you with too as you get your resume together and you're talking about how to find positions or where to work or where not to work, you know. Yep. Uh, those community folks, they can help you out with that quite a bit. And, and again, that's something that I like to offer as much as I can. People send me resumes pretty regularly and, I, and I'll usually can help them a little bit there. Uh, so I do offer that. Let me know if I can help you with <laughs> if you have any uh, requests there, send some stuff to me and I'll, I'm happy to take a look at it and see. So what how do they do with. that? Because you might get lots of requests. Is that to your Twitter account or how do they, what's the best way to, to, to send you stuff? Yeah. And interact with you. Sure. Yeah. Twitter is probably the best way. Um, I try to keep a few light mentorship things going on the side that I help people with. You know, I, I only do what I can, but yeah. <laughs> uh, if you reach out to me on Twitter, uh, usually I can catch stuff on YouTube there as well. Um, if it's a popular topic, I'll, I'll try to record a video. I haven't been doing as much recording lately, but uh, Twitter is my most active platform. So if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I will do my best to field your questions. Um, yeah, I'd love to help out. So that's brilliant. I mean, so this is called the Cloud Challenge. Is that right? I've heard it a few, mentioned a few times, and then you build like a site with with these different skills that you've learned, is that right? To try and showcase that you actually know what you're talking about rather than just having a piece of paper, is that, is that correct? Exactly, so you're actually gonna end up with a blog that's running on a cloud provider somewhere yeah. so that you can talk about the services that are driving your your site in the background, exactly. The, the cloud resume challenge specifically is the one that I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, and beyond that, though, if you reach out to me on Twitter there, uh, I can definitely hook you up with some other cloud-specific people that are good to follow. Uh, so that community building can happen there. And like I said, you really might not know where you want to go yet. And yeah. once you start talking to others in the industry and seeing what they're doing, um, that's where you start really honing in on going from, I want to get into the cloud to, I want to do this specific thing in the cloud space. And that's where we can really help you. So I'm going to recommend everyone follow Bart on Twitter. I'll put the links below. Um, Bart, really appreciate you, you know, being available and willing to help people, you know, get into this. Now, before we wrap up, Bart, are there any closing thoughts that you've got? Anything you wish you knew if you were starting out? Uh, yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had learned Linux earlier. When I was yeah. in college, I went to a two-year associates program, um, and it was really lightweight. It was a very accelerated thing. It was done in like eighteen months. Honestly, it didn't take very long to complete it. 
But I wish I had learned Linux back then. I left with an MCP, a Microsoft certification, um, and I did use it, but I wish I had learned Linux a lot earlier on. Just understanding how to use it, uh, how to work with the file systems, and how to understand how workloads run on them. Uh, all of that would have been a really big help for me uh, in every field that I've been on up to this point. So, and, this, and the course you'd recommend is Linux Plus, yeah? Linux Plus is a great one, yep. That's a great start from Cloud uh, CompTIA. There are other ones that are more specific to certain distributions, but that's, that's a great starting point. Bart, I really want to thank you, you know, for taking the time to help the community. Thank you so much for sharing your, your advice. I mean, it's, you've been in this game a long time, and I know you've done many, many things, and you've been in cloud for a long time as well. So I really appreciate you, you know, sharing with all of us. So thanks. Absolutely. You know, cloud has been something that allowed me and technology to move where I wanted to. I want to see people be able to leverage those same advantages. That's brilliant. Thanks, Bart. Cheers, David.